Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. This episode is sponsored by Health IQ. Uh, what, what's Health IQ? Health IQ is a life insurance agency, but, but with a very modern and cool twist, Health IQ is making life insurance fair by unlocking the value of health consciousness for the 50 million Americans who take responsibility for their health. This is especially relevant for me because as a type 1 diabetic, I've been denied life insurance coverage by other providers. Even though my A1Cs are in range, I eat Whole30 and can still kill guys 10 years younger than me on the basketball court, which is super frustrating. Health IQ can give people exclusive rates through their Health IQ quiz, and they even take into account data points from things like Fitbits and other trackers. You can learn more about Health IQ and get a free quote at healthiq.com ddt, that's D-D-T, short for Diabetics Doing Things. And if you're like, Rob, I am not really in a place where I'm thinking about life insurance, I'll tell you this. When it comes to retirement and planning for when you're not around, there's no time like the present to at least learn what you qualify for. So give it a shot. Go to healthiq.com DDT and get a free quote today. Hey guys, just one last thing before we get to the uh, interview with Gretchen Audi, aka Type 1 Type Happy. I just want to plug JDRF Dallas's Type 1 Nation event, which Gretchen is actually going to be at, along with Kira Richards from Myabetic, Lauren Bongiorno, Libby Russell, Laura Pavlakovich, and Mike Hoskins from Diabetes Mind. Uh, we're going to be on various panels throughout the day, but we would love if you came and joined us if you're in the area. I know some people have reached out from other parts of Texas and they're driving in. Um, but we'd love to see you. So please uh, reach out on social media, say what's up and come find us on the day of, please don't be shy. Let's make this happen and take some really good selfies for, uh, for the diabetes Instagram community. All right, let's get back to the interview with Gretchen Adi. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of diabetics doing things. We are telling the amazing stories of type one diabetics from all across the world. And I'm very excited uh, for my guest today because, uh, I have a feeling that a lot of you know her already. Uh, and I've been reaching out to her for uh, really since the beginning to get her on the show. And I'm really excited that we've finally been able to make this happen. Uh, Gretchen Adi, uh, type one type happy is here on the podcast. Welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to be talking with you. <laughs> yeah, likewise. I, uh, you know, you were one of the first accounts that I came across, uh, when I, uh, started this journey like two years ago. So, yeah. uh, and, and especially lately, you've been up to a lot of really cool things and I'm excited to talk about all of them. Yeah. So excited. I know. I get to do this. Well, uh, I, I'm glad that we found the time and, uh, let's, let's just dive right in. Um, Gretchen, you were, you were diagnosed a few years ago. Um, why don't you walk us through that story? But I also know that, uh, you have other type ones in your family. So I, I have a feeling that there, that your diagnosis story is uh, not the same as everybody else's. I imagine that there was some, some hints dropped to your family at some point. Yeah, it was a, my diagnosis was a bit of a doozy. 
Um, so yeah, I was diagnosed three years ago. I was 23 years old. Um, so I just graduated college. Um, healthy. Um, I, you know, I was a lifeguard. Um, I, I ran marathons. Um, just totally healthy, totally fine. I just graduated college and then I was working, um, locally, um, just, you know, making money, whatever. And it just hit me that like, all of a sudden I wanted to quit my job and um, leave the United States and just go travel and find my passion and find like who I am as a person. Um, so I quit my job and I decided that first um, I go to New York, um, visit a friend in New York uh, for like weeks. And then from there I'll jump the pond. Um, I'll start up in Spain and then travel all throughout. Um, so I get to New York and through the, throughout the three weeks that I was there, um, that's when I started to realize that my body was becoming better. Um, I started, you know, obviously losing weight. Um, but I thought, you know, through all the walking, you know, you walk miles in New York. So I was like, oh, I'm just getting skinny. Like, I'm doing this active work. Like, you know, that's fine. So I was drinking lots of water because, you know, I'm walking a bunch. Um, and then, I mean, I specifically... I was like waiting in line um, at a movie theater and um, I had to go to the bathroom so bad and I couldn't find the bathroom and I literally right then and there just peed in my pants in front of people like I it was oh my gosh. yeah like I started crying after and I was like god what is going wrong like what is wrong with me so I still kind of ignored it and um, so I get to the airport and um, I'm just kind of thinking about things and I get on my computer and I just kind of like type in my, um, my symptoms that I'm having and it popped up on Google like it had it actually had type diabetes like but like way down below but um, the first that popped up was like uh, a bladder infection I was like really I was so convinced I had a bladder infection um, but so I'm in the airport, and then um, my mom meets me in the airport. Then because she's gonna travel with me to Spain, um, so we get to Spain. We travel around there for about a week, uh, and that week in Spain was really when I started to get just really sick. Um, I my mom, you know, is like 50 years old. She's walking around. I could barely keep up with her. I was so tired, super skinny. Uh, and so my mom was like, this does not look good. Like something is wrong. We need to go check, um, you know, the doctor. Um, and so the next day we actually had it scheduled. Um, we were going to be on a cruise, a Mediterranean cruise for about a month, uh, traveling to all these different countries. So the next day we're like, we get on the cruise ship and I'm like chugging all of this water and orange juice. And I'm like, I'm on, but it's like, it just feels so good to learn that orange juice. Uh, so we get on our cruise ship. Um, we're on there for about a day. And then the next day, we're, we're like, okay, we're checking into the little um, nurse section um, in you know, this cruise ship to see, like, what's going on. And that night, we, I, my mom and I had a conversation, um, like, could this possibly be um, type 1 diabetes? Because my father, he has type 1 diabetes, and he was diagnosed late in his life, too. He was diagnosed when he was 33. Um, but my 
we were like so slightly thinking it could be it, but we were like, no, like, it can't be it. Uh, we were just uh, convinced that it might not be the case. Um, so that next morning, I woke up and went straight down to um, the little um, nurse center um, in the belly of this cruise ship. And I tell them my symptoms of what's going on. And, and they're all um, foreign, too. They're not, you know, from the States. Right. Um, so they so trying to explain to them what's going on. And they actually, I was surprised, like, the nurse immediately just pricked my finger right then and there. So it was nice because I hear of other stories, people, like, doctors don't know what it is. So it was kind of nice, actually, that they kind of already knew like that's what they needed to do and so it was nice that they had a meter um they're on the cruise ship so we checked it and clearly i was you know in the hundreds i think it was like 500 or something um like, oh gosh like you you can't leave like you have to stay here. and i'm like what like i thought i was just gonna get medicine or like if i did have diabetes like i would just get you know the insulin and be like done with it um, but they're like, you have type one diabetes, um, you need to stay here, you're in DKA. And I'm like, oh my God, now, um, so in this little cruise ship, there's literally just two beds. It's like called their little ICU. Um, someone was in that second bed. So it was just me, obviously that has like the traumatic <laughs> medical condition. Um, so I had to be stuck in this belly of a cruise ship, like no windows. I didn't know what was happening. Um, and I'm just bawling because I've been looking forward to traveling the world like forever. And, um, I was just so upset. I was missing out on things and that this has happened. Um, so, um, I stayed in this ICU for about three days. Um, and so every hour the nurse was coming and checking my um, finger and just trying to get me out of DKA. Um, so I finally got out of DKA after three days and, it was very traumatic, of course. Um, I was crying. My mom was crying. Uh, my mom stayed stayed with me in the ICU, but then to go back up to our like cruise ship room, take pictures of the ocean, or like we were we we sailed by France, so she took a picture of France for me. <laughs> oh <laughs> this no! Is so, this is so bad. Um, but yeah, so but I got released the third day and. The doctor, um, quote-unquote doctor, he's not a diabetes doctor. No one was a diabetes doctor, and so they taught me, you know, how to take shots and what to do and that insulin needed to be on ice, and it was just very overwhelming. And even though my dad has it, it's, it's very different from being on the outside of it, like dealing with it. I think um, it also opened my mom's eyes to it as well because – She's, you know, been living um, with my dad for, you know, years, and he takes care of himself, and, um, but he, she doesn't understand the, the internal struggle and trying to figure out, especially in the first few days of having time, um, what that's like. So um, it was hard for me to, like, wow, this is what my dad does and deals with. Like, I had no idea. So it was a very kind of aligning moment, I guess, for for me to him to be like, wow, this is amazing that you've done this and you do this. Well, and, um, and I want to, I want to go back a little bit because yeah. uh, this is, there's so much to unpack. Like what, a, like, first of all, I, I love that story and um, it sort of exceeded every expectation that I had for a, for a diagnosis story. 
<laughs> so you do the, the first big thing, right? Like you work up enough courage to quit your job and go travel. Uh, right. you go do that. You get over there, you, you know, you're having some interesting, you, you, you pee your pants in New York, um, yeah. which I, I want to talk about your New York marathon experience a little bit later, but, uh, being back in the city where you peed your pants, I'm sure is a, is a fun, <laughs> uh, a fun way to just laugh that off. Um, yeah. but then you, you still go, you're and you're in Spain. You finally get on this cruise ship and then you get stuck in the belly of a cruise ship for three days, uh, where, and that's where you're diagnosed. And, I, I have a lot of uh, I'm I'm giving these doctors on this cruise ship a, a lot of slack because I guess you never oh. you never know what'll happen on a on a cruise ship. So when they released you from the ICU, uh, mm-hmm. what did what did they get? Did they just give you insulin and were like, hey, this is kind of how it works. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Um, so they released me and they taught me how to do my own shots because they were doing my shots for me while I was there. Uh, but they taught me how to do my shots and like this is what insulin looks like. They gave me like a pile of um, scripts, uh, prescription scripts um, because we docked in Italy. So they're like, okay, go out, um, you know, get off the boat, go to the pharmacy and have these scripts filled. So then you can have your um, your needles. You can get your first glucose meter. Um, you can go get your insulin and um, be set like that. So. It's kind of just thrown onto Italy, and me and my mom were looking at a map, trying to figure out where the next, where the closest pharmacy would be, and we get to the pharmacist, and they thankfully fulfill my prescriptions, and I get my glucose meter, and I'm like, okay, how do I do this? So, like, I open up the box, and everything's in Italian, absolutely everything, and I was like, I don't know how to use this. Like, I've never done it before, and so um, then we run to a... a um, uh, internet cafe and i google um a youtube video of how to use a glucose meter um, so i figured out how to use a glucose meter through youtube and um then just kind of figured out then and so um i would whenever i'd get back on the boat i would check in with the doctor um and so he had a vague standing of like he, he knew what type 1 diabetes was but he didn't understand like the ratios and Car counting and all of, all of this stuff. So I would basically just kind of like tell him my number. I'd be like, okay, I'm 132, and he'd be like, okay, take uh, 10 units of insulin. And um, so the the ratios were very off for me because I would tell he um, I would take what he would tell me to do, and um, I would instantly like plummet. So I definitely was had to take what he told me and just kind of learn for myself, and then experiment with. How much insulin to take? Like, what does this certain food do to me? Um, so it was a lot of experiment, um, and, and uh, just kind of as the, the trip and went on, um, we left the cruise ship, and then I traveled for another month um, in Europe, and I just without seeing a doctor really, and I just kind of figured everything out, and I felt comfortable with it, and I was like, I'm gonna do this, like I we made these um resolutions to see these amazing places i'm never going to be you know be out here anytime soon so let's do it like so i just um really wanted to see those places so i think it just motivated me to figure it out and um the best i could <laughs> wow you uh the, the term comfort zone doesn't necessarily apply to you i don't think <laughs> um just like you you're that's that's awesome i think like the your average person might uh just say, Hey, you know what? We'll do this again later. But I love that you just you know, kept stuck with it. Um, yeah. and also adopted, 
a mindset that I think is very important for people with diabetes because you talked about sort of just testing and experimenting um, and have it coming from a place of, well, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'm going to learn from it and adjust as I go. Uh, you're also maybe, you know, in this sort of modern age of living with diabetes, like you can get on YouTube and figure out how to do things. And there's like all these great resources, um, right. you know, with real people who are living with disease that, you know, 10 years ago didn't exist. Yeah. And that actually, you know, played a big part in my diagnosis too, because, um, I'm not going to say like I got out of the ICU and I was like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to travel. Like this, everything's going to be okay. No, like I got out of there and I was, I was legit depressed. Um, I was like, my body is falling apart on me. Um, I just don't feel like I can go on. Like maybe I'm not supposed to like be living right now. Like I went to those dark places and like, it's a real thing, you know, to have, you know, a depression afterwards to mourn, you know, your old body. And, um, it's just, you know, and a lot is going on all at once. Um, so I was definitely just, I mean, I was scared to eat anything anymore. Like I was scared. I was scared to even walk around. I was scared to run. I was scared to do anything because I thought something bad was going to happen. Um, and so, you know, I, I definitely didn't get out there. I was like, raw, raw diabetes. Like I, I definitely struggled. And so just going to these internet cafes and Googling, you know, I went on and Googled, you know, people with diabetes and I up came these amazing people running marathons, um, and doctors and all this cool stuff. And I was like, man, if they can do it, like I can do this. Like I can step by step, you know, I can figure this out and I can make it to these places. I can follow my dreams and just kind of like do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, we all in the sort of modern age, I would say, you know, the age of the internet, we all, as we're diagnosed at different ages, have that moment, right? Where we get on the internet and we search for people with diabetes or people who with diabetes who do what we love. And you mentioned running marathons. Uh, for me, it was basketball. Uh, and they were like, they, I found two people. Um, and it's like, you know, Adam Morrison was one at Gonzaga and he was a guy that I like knew anyway, outside of, outside of the diabetes world. And I was like, wow, like if he can do this at a high level, uh, maybe yeah. I can too. And I think that that moment now is so important because years ago, not, not even really that long ago, if you were not in a place where there was somebody with diabetes at all, much less somebody who was, you know, really trying to do, uh, inspiring things or just like living a normal life, you didn't have, you, you weren't exposed to those types of stories. And so that depression could last a little bit longer. Um, totally. and you can totally feel isolated. And I know some people still feel that, but now I'm just, I'm glad that, you know, with social media and with, you know, YouTube and just Google, you're able to find those stories relatively easily if you're looking for it. Did that, uh, I, I assume that that played a part in you starting type one type happy, when <laughs> yeah. when did that sort of take hold for you? Yeah, um, it definitely played a big part because when I was looking up all these things, I was like, man, there has to be so many other people like me trying to Google or find someone that's doing that's doing stuff or live just you know simply living with diabetes. And so that definitely played a big part. That you know I wanted to start you know an Instagram or in a blog um, just to like share my stories and as a helping hand to anyone out there that you know, is feeling lost or alone or confused or 
anything like that. I just need a friend. Like, um, I just kind of wanted to be out there in the internet world or wherever and just be available. And so that started um, once I came back from my trip. Uh, I think like three, two or three months, or I think it's a month later around. Um, and I was just kind of like playing with the idea. And then finally, I just like started it and I just you know, just sharing my stories, I guess, on it. And, um, and then it just kind of blossomed from there. Yeah. And it, you know, it's amazing how you start doing that. And then, you know, before you know it, you, uh, you know, that becomes like a huge part of your life. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned like, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your dad before we go kind of further into, you know, what you're, what you're awesome, all the awesome things you're doing now. Um, when you got back from your trip, um, I, I, I've heard other, other people with type ones in their family. Um, what did that do to your relationship with your dad? Like having this now in common, um, what, what was it like to have that person sort of there? Hey, I, I do understand what you go through now and you know, I have it too. What's, what was that like? Yeah, it was, it was I mean, not that that is cool, but it was pretty, it's pretty cool and pretty special just to share that bond with someone. Um, and like, yeah, I had this moment where I saw, I was like, you straight up are amazing. Like, inside and out, like, everything you do, like, it's it's amazing. Like, uh, so I was like, I don't know how you've done it for years, but, um, you know, it really just um, it made me in awe of, of him. And then um, our relationship now, like, it's, it's awesome because kind of his whole life of having diabetes, he's been... Um, very kind of quiet about it. Um, he, you know, didn't necessarily talk about it because no one would really understand if he did talk about it with us. Um, and you know, he would just do his thing. It was very to himself. And, um, so now that I have it, um, I'm pretty like vocal about it with him. I'm like, Oh man, like I'm 200 right now. Like what, like, what are you gonna do? And then, um, you know, so my dad can easily talk to me with this stuff and it's actually kind of like healing a little bit to be able to talk about it more um and if we're having a bad day or just say like i'm low and not even have to explain anything you know we're right there for each other with snacks so um and i can tell them about new like technology like i just started the new uh the dexcom pretty recently and so i was telling my dad about it and so he's like all interested in it too so it's cool to, like share share these things um, with each other that is cool i think uh, I was very similar to your dad. I, I didn't, it was sort of my thing that I carried and didn't really bother anybody else with, or I, I felt like I didn't want to talk about it because I, I had it under control and it was all good. And I think that's yeah. maybe a more common male response. I, I don't know. I, um, I wrote a thing for beyond type one earlier this year about, uh, you know, being a man with diabetes and like being open about it because, what you yeah. said about that healing property, like just sharing it and being open and being okay with, yeah, like I'm in the 200s. What what are you gonna do? You know, like you said, yeah. it it's it's okay now. Like I I was for so long tried to not make any excuses about it, but um, I think when you're just open to the idea that hey, like this is a burden that I carry and that there are other people that are going through it as well, and we can share it together. Yeah. Uh, I 100% would agree that the. I would, if there's one thing I would do different in my time with diabetes, uh, I would have gotten involved much earlier. Uh, right. I just shared my story because, you know, my relationship with diabetes now is so different than, you know, even two years ago when, when I started doing this, but really 10 years ago when I was, 
you know, just two or three years in and, and kind of struggling and didn't didn't know who to trust about it or who to talk to about it, it would have been a huge. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, the community is so, so, so important. It really is. And I mean, even just three and a half years ago when I when I started my blog and Instagram and stuff, I mean, there wasn't um, there was a few you know dive people on Instagram, but like there was there were no pages about it. Like Beyonce hasn't started yet. Um, all the stuff really out there yet and it's really cool just within the three years of me having it in the community just seeing everything kind of boom up a little bit like I feel like people are um you know it's more accessible to people and um it's just really cool to see the community come together even more yeah I I kind of I joke halfway joke I call it the T1D renaissance it's like this uh very tangible very real very open a subculture of like social media that, uh, you know, if you're not in that community, you wouldn't have noticed, but, uh, yeah, yeah like even, <laughs> even two years ago, there weren't that many diabetes pages or people, uh, just yeah. a few. And then now, you know, you look at, there's, there's so many resources, so many pages, so many campaigns. It's really exciting. Yeah. So true. It's, it's really cool. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned you ran marathons before you were diagnosed. Um, yeah. so you're, you're a runner. Um, you recently ran with beyond type one and uh, on the beyond type run team in the New York city marathon. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was your first marathon with diabetes, yeah. right? Yes. So first of all, talk a little bit about what that was like to be back in New York. Uh, hopefully you didn't pee your pants this time. I'm, I'm <laughs> I got my fingers crossed for you, but uh, what was that like to be kind of back there uh, with the team, uh, with Beyond Type 1 and Robin Arzon and everybody? And then also, people always ask on the podcast about training and, and how you help manage your blood sugars during that time and different things that you use. So what was it like? Give us the, the full story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, f- coming back to New York, um, it was, I mean, the whole thing was a very, like, emotional experience for me. Um, just you know, spending five hours running by yourself. You have a lot to think about and a lot to go through. And it's just, I've done so much to get to that one point that it it was just really cool to just see it come all together and to finish and cross that finish line. Um, So yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, You know, first we had a a little team brunch with um, 22 type one diabetic running that same marathon. So, um, it was so cool just to be along, um, with that team and everyone else just doing the same thing. We're kind of sharing our stories and, um, how like some days, like we would, you know, have a plan to like go run like 18 miles right here today. And then, um, you know, it comes to that time and like, we're too low to run or like too high to run. And it just, you can't do it today. You know, that you got to wait till the next day. Um, so it was just cool to be able to share stories. And then, um, Rao and Arzon, um, was so cool. She was very inspiring. Um, it was just, um, very cool just to have her talk about her experiences with marathons and then just, um, how awesome of a person she is and her outlook on, on diabetes. And it's just very inspiring. Um, uh, so, my race though for the marathon um it was amazing we ran all along the new york and so got to see some pretty sights but i was definitely pretty emotional um throughout my run i would just kind of like run or i would start running and then i would just 
start bawling just for no kind of no reason but like then I would just like be so happy that I'm there and I'm doing it and then I'd be crying because like oh my gosh like I can't believe I'm back in New York like I'm have they been in it like I don't know it was just it was a lot or I'm in pain like it sucks <laughs> but um but yeah just you know, running on those same streets, I was thinking about like, wow, like three years ago, I was walking on those same streets and I was sick as a dog. Like I peed in my pants, um, you know, I was drinking tons of water. Like I didn't know what was wrong with me. And here I am three years later and I'm running the New York marathon and feeling healthy, feeling strong, feeling good and um, keeping myself together. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really, really cool experience. Um, definitely will never forget it. Yeah. And, you know, obviously just so much, first of all, I didn't, I don't think I realized, you know, without being, because I follow you and Mary Lucas and, and others that were on the team, um, shout out Chewy because Chewy tagged me in every single running post he made for like <laughs> six months. So big shout out to Chewy, but, um, like seeing all you guys, like, I don't, I don't think I realized how big of an event the New York city marathon is in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. and just like the logistics of like getting to the starting line even. Oh, um, yeah. so how did you prepare yourself? And you mentioned, you know, some of the run, the, some of the preparation and training, like, you know, being too high or too low to run. How did yeah. you, how did you like manage? Cause like stress and, and adrenaline and, and things leading yeah. up to the race. Like, uh, what was your, what was your approach like? How did you how did you manage that? And you know what was your what was your race experience like diabetes wise? Um, so yeah, we we woke up at like five in the morning um, to go bus to um, the start line. Um, we had to wake up that early because they shut down all the streets, so you can't even get there. Like our, our race doesn't even start till like eleven in the morning. But uh, they shut down the streets, and so you can't get there. So you have to get there before the street closes. Um, so, um, yeah, we were just, like, waiting around the start line, kind of all together, huddled up, because it was really cold, too. I'm from, you know, California, and so just waiting out there in, like, 40-degree weather in the morning, like, it was, it was tough on me. <laughs> we're all just, like, huddling together and just trying to, like, count hour by hour until we can go run. Um but, uh, yeah, so we're just kind of sitting at the start line and, um, I woke up with my blood sugars, um, pretty, pretty good, pretty low, but like pretty good. Um, kind of, they stayed around 80 to 90, um, the whole time. I actually didn't, I didn't want to eat anything, um, and then have to bolus for it because I know for myself, um, when I run, um, I'm, my body is very, very sensitive to insulin. So um, any kind of insulin I have, you know, in my body up to three hours before, um, my I'm going to plummet. Um, and I know this through my training, too. Um, so um, I didn't eat anything until um, about an hour, an hour, an hour and a half before my race. Um, so that's when I could um, eat something. Um, and then as soon as I would start my race, um, I know my my blood sugars would start to kind of creep up, but that's perfect because I'd start running and then it would kind of level out. Um, so I started the race um, about 190 to like a 200, which is fine for me um, because I know I'm gonna um, go down, it's gonna level out. So as I was running, um, I pretty much, like very surprisingly, um, I stayed consistently at like 160 
um, kind of the whole time. Um, so I was happy with that. And um, I know from my training um, at certain mile marks, you know, uh, five miles, eight miles, and um, 12 miles, I know that's when my body starts to get low and just, um, just automatically plummet. So that's usually when I would take um, my gels um, that I brought with me. I would just uh, eat one of those real quick, and I, sh- I was fine to go. I'd also alternate between water and Gatorade um, just to keep hydrated, keep electrolytes, and then if I needed that extra sugar, um, that Gatorade could help me out. Um, so all of that um, really helped me. <laughs> and I, all great tips. And I think like I always think of any, doing anything with diabetes is just you add an extra step, like the Boy, the Boy Scout method, just like be prepared for anything. So yeah. yeah. If you were, if you were going to talk to some, if somebody was going to ask you like, Hey, uh, how do I prepare to run a marathon? Maybe just in general or, uh, but also with, with diabetes, what, uh, what would you tell them? What like little tidbit of advice would you give somebody who wanted to do that? Um, definitely everything starts you know, in your training. Um, like a hundred percent and just like, listening to your body and really just taking it mile by mile. And like, if you've never run before, you've never run distance, take it slow and run mile by mile and see how your body does. I know through my training, you know, at mile five, that's when I put it. So you can, there'll be patterns. Um, and so as you train, as you run, um, you kind of keep track of, um, what your body naturally does. And that way you can prevent those lows. You can, um, uh, prevent those highs by, um, you know, upping your bolus, um, earlier. And for me, I figured out, you know, my, I'm very, um, uh, sensitive with my insulin. So I know like three hours before, like I shouldn't be taking any, um, insulin before I go out on a run because I'm going to plummet unless I brought, you know, enough stuff with me. Um, so just step-by-step really is the biggest thing. Um, and then obviously like hydration was a big thing for me too. Um, just constantly drinking water. Like I didn't know that, you know, every mile, like I should be drinking water. Um, so, uh, just kind of listening to your body and just really making sure that you're getting your body what it needs, um, really does a lot. Great advice. And, uh, I'm going to plug you here cause you're going to be coming to the JDRF Dallas, uh, type one nation <laughs> event in January. Uh, and yeah. being on the athletic panel. So uh, if you're in Dallas and you want to uh, you want to ask Gretchen a question yourself, you'll have the chance to do that. Awesome. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, like obviously you interact with tons of people um, on, you know, in the diabetes online community uh, through Beyond Type 1 as well, uh, you know, with the and through Myabetic as well. Um, I have two questions with that. One, uh, do you ever experience like everywhere you turn in your life, like diabetes is there? Uh, do you ever experience any type of burnout? Um, and then on the, uh, on the other side of that question, um, uh, what's your favorite story, um, you know, since starting, uh, type one type happy and, you know, being so involved, what's your favorite story coming out of the type one community? Um, good questions. Um, for the first one, that's such a good question. Um, do I ever get, uh, you know, the burnout and that is so real. Um, I, that actually, um, didn't really come prevalent to me until pretty recently actually, but, um, yeah, just, um, you know, for fun, I, I, you know, blog about diabetes. Um, and then I have diabetes and then 
you know, I work at the diabetes industry and then on my weekends, you know, I'll go to a diabetes event. So um, as much as I love, you know, I, the best part of it is connecting with other people. So like, that's kind of what kept me like moving um, or just like being able to do each thing is because I get to meet awesome people. So like, I am super stoked when I can talk to people about that. Um, but yeah, diabetes burnout and I call it diabetes like social burnout. Um, it's like a total real thing because um, when you're constantly dealing with it, t- constantly talking about it, it can be really hard to just keep talking about it or um you know if you work in it to keep you know working and and in that industry and just not really have a break from it um but I think what's helped me is um you know like I run or I like to just go outside like I think just making harsh boundaries being like you know this is the time that I can you know I'm going to this event this is you know this is what I'm going to do. Um, but then just having time to like, you know, go out and run or like go hang out with friends and just kind of forget about it or, um, not constantly thinking about it. Um, just having the time to live, you know, just do things that you like. And I think that really helps with any kind of burnout. It's just have, um, a little time to step away from it. Obviously you can't step away from your diabetes, but just enough to not obsess about it and not, worry about you know eating a certain thing or whatever um, you're worried about but um, just do something fun and with people that you love and I think that's always what helped me with kind of the burnout situation oh yeah I love that that's uh that's so tangible right because everybody knows that you can think of somebody that you love to hang out with and something that you love to do and it's really that simple it's great yeah it, yeah it just kind of turns everything around um and then the second question, um, yeah. favorite story. Yep, favorite story. That's or, so- or favorite interaction, or just something that something that stands out. Doesn't have to be favorite because I don't want you have to pick if, uh, if you've got like more than one. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. There's tons of them, but I mean, it's just so awesome. Um, I've yeah, I've thankfully been able to um, kind of travel a whole bunch of. Uh, for work um, around, you know, the United States and stuff. And so it's so awesome just to be, um, like, I'll be at a, you know, JDRF event and, um, you know, someone will come up to me and be like, are you type one type happy? I'm like, oh my God, yes. Like, that's so cool. Like, so good to meet you. And I think that it's just so cool to um, be somewhere I've never been before, um, like in Chicago or something um, in this big city. And then someone kind of like, recognize me or um just yeah just come up and and meet me and then instant new friends it's really cool so it it just kind of shows me that you know us type ones are all over the place and um just kind of being open to new friendships and and seeing what's out there it's, it's really cool to see and for like you said you know uh we've talked you know via instagram but it's cool to be able to talk now um through through voice and i can hear your voice and so just see people face to face it's really cool and then of course like i mean just digitally i get messages of um you know people reaching out to um you know that i i've helped i've helped them in their diagnosis or i've helped um their daughter um they show them show them my pictures and they see that i've run marathons that i've gone surfing and i do all this stuff that you know they can have normal lives too 
So I think that's like, honestly, the best thing is that um, when I hear people just being really happy that I can show that we can live normal lives. Um, that's my biggest thing. And um, living our lives to the fullest, that's, that's the best thing you can do. So um, I think that has really made it amazing for me. All right, we're going to try something different here at about the midway point of this interview. We talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, but I just wanted to give another plug to Health IQ. Really, Health IQ is just like car insurance, but for life insurance. And let me explain. It's like if you're a safe driver, you get more competitive rates. That makes sense. Uh, Health IQ just takes into account an overall healthy lifestyle and passes those savings along. It's that simple. Plus, it's good for you. The American Heart Association reports that an overall healthy lifestyle is associated with nearly 60% lower risk of mortality by cardiovascular disease. That's always good news. So get the rewards for living that healthy lifestyle. Check out healthiq.com DDT today. And now we'll get back to the episode. No, that's awesome. And I think, you know, when you're dealing with something like, like this type of advocacy work, you know, you talked about the burnout and like going to different events and volunteering for fun and like trying to yeah. help. It all makes it really tangible and grounding when you get to just that one interaction. Totally. Uh, that like I when the 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 feeling that inspired me to start this podcast was uh, I had an email exchange with a uh, a, a guy that was in my class. He, he he like linked me up via email with his cousin who was thirteen and uh, his doctor he just got diagnosed and his doctor told him he couldn't run triathlons and I played basketball at college and so uh, he was like yeah he's like I feel like you're an athlete you could probably tell him that it's okay maybe give him some advice so I like emailed back and forth with him and then like six weeks later or maybe more um like i had totally forgotten and then i got this email with no subject line and it was just a picture of the kid with his participation medal from his first triathlon since he'd been diagnosed i was like the the feeling that i got from that i was like wow like if i can replicate that feeling of like just helping somebody and them taking that and like carrying it the whole way totally it makes it so worth it I love it. Yeah. And, and even, um, like I wear, you know, my Dexcom on my arm and I'll have a picture or something on my Instagram with, with my Dexcom on. And, um, someone will message me and be like, man, like you've made me so inspired to be able to wear my Dexcom on my, uh, like, you know, not be afraid to show my pump or whatever like that. Just simple, simple little things like that. Like you've changed that person's life forever. And I think that's way more, what may way more worth anything else that that could be given to you totally um okay so this has been an awesome interview um and thank you so much for taking the time i think i want to uh, i ask the same question at the end of every podcast but i want to ask you one more before um before i take you to the to the my final normal question or whatever um so you've now been diagnosed for three and a half years um you've and have done a ton a ton and made and so many good things what are you most hopeful for um in the next five years ten years and like you know it doesn't have to be a cure i think we're all hopeful for a cure at some yeah. point um but what when you think about your life with diabetes like what gives you hope yeah um i think just keeping my mindset um and just sticking with you know, goals and things that I want to do in life. Um, and so just continuing to work towards those goals and just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, 
I think that helps me the most. Um, and, um, no, yeah, that's, that's great. I I think, yeah. And, and it's, that's totally personal, right? It's just a, you know, even outside of diabetes, like you have to live your life. And I think that's sometimes when I think of like diabetes burnout, um, that's what I think about, like, especially like you said, social burnout, because, you know, sometimes I'll get on social media and it's like, Oh, all I see is diabetes. And while that's good, I love to read those stories and like sharing those things with people. It's like, God, man, you know, I gotta, I gotta remember to live my life. Uh, yeah. There's, I, you can still live a normal life and, um, yeah, and, and do what you really want to do. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm pretty involved in the uh, improv comedy community here in Dallas, and I teach as well. And um, one, like one of the things we talk about, like an improviser's responsibility to the theater is to go out into the real world and like live your life and like experience it and see it and bring it back to the stage. And something that often happens is. Uh, when you get really excited and you're like really pumped about being into theater and improv is like you spend all your time at the theater uh, yeah. and you forget to live your life on the outside. And I think that's like a lot of parallels with um, with life with diabetes is that you can attack it and grab it and put the bull by the horns and dive in. But don't forget to live your life on the outside um, cool. and to go experience those things. And so I think, yeah, it's a great um, it's a great thing to be hopeful for. Yeah, totally. Okay. Last question, uh, the the big money question. Um, you have traveled a lot, so I know you've been in an airport. You're familiar with how gates work. Um, so just imagine, and the context is super important, that you're in an airport, uh, and they're about to close the door to your gate, and for whatever reason, one reason or another, you can't miss this flight. Uh, so they're going to shut the door in 30 seconds, but you just run into somebody who has either been recently diagnosed or is struggling with their diabetes, or maybe they recognize you. Uh, what's the one thing that you say to them um, in that 30 seconds before you jump on the plane and get whisked across the country or wherever? Um, well, I mean, uh, probably like, honestly, just, um, I'd be like, I would be like, I have diabetes too. You're not alone. Um, email me. I type one, type happy. <laughs> handle, and I'll. <laughs> if it had to be super quick, like uh, somehow quickly let them know that they're not alone. I have diabetes too, and I can totally help them out if they. If you want to talk with me, call me, email me. I got you. <laughs> I love it. That's great. It's it's funny. There's like three answers. So I've asked that question like a hundred times now. Uh, there's like three styles of answers. There's one like very similar. You're, you're sort of like in between like one, you like really get your message down and like get, get the message, deliver this powerful message and then, and then roll out. Number two is you realize that we live in the 2017. So you can just give out your phone number or your email. Right. Cause I could easily make that exchange. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's like a very simple thing um and then three people just totally negate my context and they're like yeah like i'll probably just get another flight and i'll just hang out so uh, uh yeah great answer i love it <laughs> um well gretchen thanks so much for coming on the show uh it was really great to like you said talk to you and and, uh, and meet you via the phone looking forward to meeting you in person in january at the jdrf event here in dallas um for everybody type one type happy.com type one type happy on instagram um but you knew that already everybody um and so uh any any parting words uh before we get off the interview 
Well, it was so awesome to be able to be on your podcast and so good to talk with you. And I'm so glad we were able to do this. Um, anytime, let me know. Uh, I'd love to come back. Oh, well, thank you. We'll definitely make that happen.